Well, I, there's a, a story that I came across, and actually talking about police, there was a police officer that was parked on the side of a street, and he was trying to catch speeders. And the speed limit was 55, and he noticed this one car coming down the road that was going 22 miles per hour. And just like how uh, cars go too fast or too slow, that's dangerous. So he pulled the car over, and he walked up to the car, and the car was full of five elderly women. And they were a bit shaken, and, uh, and the, uh, the driver of the car, um, she said to the officer, um, Mr. Officer, did I do something wrong? I thought I, I was following the, the speed limit. I thought the speed limit was, was 22. And the police officer said, no, it's, it's 55. And uh, she, she said, I thought it was 22. And the officer kind of chuckled. He said, no, that's the county road number. <laughs> and then the officer um, was worried because he could see their, their, their faces were a bit ash, uh, and, and white and a little, sh- a little shooken up by everything. And, and he said, are you guys okay? Are, are you going to be okay? And the, the driver said, yeah, we're, we're going to be okay in a little bit. We just came off of Route 127. Uh, that's actually a story about my grandma. No, I'm just kidding. No, we get confused sometimes, don't we? We get confused. It's easy in life to be confused. And, and oftentimes our loved ones remind us how confused we really are. And I think when it comes to the, this word worship, uh, there's confusion around that term. Like, what does it really mean? What does it mean to, to worship? In fact, we use that term, uh, we'll tell people, yeah, our worship service begins at 1030. So is that when we begin to worship? Uh, and then when the service is done, we're, we're done worshiping? And, but, and what does this activity of worship really entail? And Psalm 150 kind of helps us unlock the mystery of worship. Kind of kind of brings some clarity to the confusion that is to this concept and then this word worship because it's interesting. It's only in the church that we actually use this word. It's not like we at work or school we we say yeah start talking about worship. It doesn't happen. But it's a word that's commonly used. And if you're new to the church, uh, I've talked to plenty of people. It's like what does that mean? Well, well Psalm 150 is really going to help us unlock the mystery to this word and this concept of worship. And if you're new this morning, or perhaps you missed the last couple weeks, we are midway through this series on the Psalms. And the Psalms have been just a a beautiful collection of poems that have been a source of hope and comfort. And also for us, as I mentioned for me, just kind of reset our hearts uh, upon God, to look upon Him. And I love what Max Lucado says about worship and the Psalms. He writes this, Worship is a bit of a mystery, isn't it? It's a bit of uh, confusion. For that reason, God gave us the Psalms, the, this collection of hymns and pet- petitions written over a span of centuries in many di- different settings by many different authors. Kings like David and Solomon, common people like Asaph and Haman and the sons of Korah. Some Psalms are defiant, some are reverent, some are meant to be sung, some are meant to be prayed. But in, all in all, it's intensely personal. And it's there for us, around one purpose, for us to express our hearts to God. And that's exactly what Psalm 150 is about. If you have your teaching notes, you can pull that out and follow along. Or if you have uh, your app, our church app, you can follow along in the the Bible uh, tab. Or perhaps you have your own Bible app as well. Whatever you have, uh, Psalm 150 
in the New Living Translation. And this is all about, all about um, worshiping God. And I love the fact that this actually is the last psalm. So we looked at Psalm 1, and that was an introduction to the psalms, this, this, this idea of orienting our, our hearts to God, to worshiping Him. And then it bookends, it closes with this, this uh, repetitive, praise the name of the Lord. Psalm 150. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heaven. Praise him for his mighty works. Praise his unequaled greatness. Praise him with the blast of the ram's horn. Praise him with the lyre and the harp. Praise him with tambourine and dancing. Yes, dancing's in the Bible. Isn't that great? Praise him with strings and flutes. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with loud clanging cymbals. Let everything that breathes sing praises to the Lord. And as we've been going through the Psalms, and if you missed last week, by the way, I want to encourage you to watch our video cast. Sam Randall just knocked the ball out of the park around Psalm 139. I really encourage you. And um, we've been doing this, the Psalms with a memory verse. And the memory verse for this week is the last verse. Let everything that breathes sing praises to the Lord. Praise the Lord. So I'm going to challenge you to actually memorize that. And maybe you can even sing that, too, because that's a popular worship song. But uh, no matter, um, I want to encourage you to memorize it, because whenever we memorize God's Word, it really makes a difference in our lives. Well, the first time that, that uh, the word worship is mentioned is actually in Genesis chapter 22. If you want to turn to that, first time it's ever mentioned in the Bible is not until chapter 22, which kind of uh, is surprising. I did not know that until this past week, that it was, it was actually Psalm, or, uh, Genesis 22, verse 5. I thought it would, it would have happened earlier. But in 22, 5, the context is that God gives a strange command to Abraham to uh, kill and sacrifice his one and only son, Isaac. And in, in many ways, it's a foreshadowing, it's a precursor to God the Father giving his son, Jesus Christ. In fact, there's um, um, uh, uh, rabbis and other scholars that argue actually the same mountain that Abraham brings Isaac up is the same area where Jesus is crucified on Calvary, at Calvary. But in verse 5, as Abraham is going up the mountain and he's got his servants and he's got his son um, Isaac, he says this, Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants, the boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there. I'd like you to circle that word. And then we will come right back. And it's just remarkable. Abraham's in this very, very unsettling time in his life that, that he is going to have to give up his son, he thinks. And if you don't know the story, uh, spoiler alert, actually an angel sort of intercepts Abraham and, and holds back uh, the fact, Abraham holds back, in fact, of, of killing his son. But it shows Abraham's faith. But it also, you see, Abraham is that he, before he does this, he worships. And in your teaching notes, this, this word worship is this word uh, shakah. And what that really means uh, in the Hebrew, it means actually to be so consumed with something. It's not a, a light word. It means to be consumed uh, with something or someone as if that thing or that person is the most important thing in your life. It comes from deep inside you. Okay, this is no little, like, going through the motions. Uh, Shaka means to, deep down in the very depths of your soul, the core of who you are, that's what that means. And that's exactly what Abraham does, is that he worships God, consumes him, 
And I think for us, the question isn't uh, if we worship or not, because we do. Uh, unlike animals, um, we can't help but worship. That's just the way we're wired. The question really is, what or, or whom do you worship? Because you're worshiping someone or something. We always are. We can't help but that. We're wired that way. What is it that we give utter devotion to or idolize? It can be a number of things. I'm just going to go through a handful here. It could be money. It can be money to the point where we feel like we don't have enough money. We need more money in, in that savings account or our 401k. And for us, there, there's some sort of like, uh, in a sense, spiritual experience when we see that bank statement and see the, the numbers and where we're at, but it doesn't seem to be enough. And so we kind of hoard it and hang on to that money. And uh, believe me, I'm not against saving money, but money can turn into an idol and come in, turn into something that we worship. Or maybe it's using money to spend on a number of things. And for us, uh, that can turn into uh, devotion. Another one is ourselves. It's very easy for us to worship ourselves. Our appearance, our position in life, our personality, how people like us so much. And pretty soon we can fall in love with ourselves. And, and, and you may not be aware of that, but subconsciously you, you could be worshiping, idolizing, being consumed with yourself. I, was, uh, I saw a picture actually this past week, and it's uh, a guy, they call him uh, the, Ken, the Ken doll. Have you heard of this guy? He's had over 76 uh, plastic surgeries. And he looks exactly like the, the Ken doll. And, um, and in, in the report, they're talking about the fact that uh, with that many plastic surgeries, this, this guy, and if you look at him, he looks exactly like the Ken doll. If you get a chance to Google it, it's unbelievable. But that, I looked at that, I was like, this is a guy who is really consumed with the way he, look, he looks. In fact, his smile, I don't know if he can frown at all or anything. He's just got the smile and, and really white teeth and it seemed to me like, wow, he is really, that many plastic surgeries consumed with ourself. But at the same time, we can do that too. We can fall into that and actually idolize it. Another one is rules. Some of us love rules. We love to have rules in our family and in our relationships. And, and it seems like our world is governed by rules. They're not a means, they're actually the, the end goal. And perhaps in Christianity, we love the rules that we think are there there. And we have a list of the rules in Christianity and our faith. And then we like to, make sure, like to look at others that are violating the rules and then pass judgment on them. I know none of us do that, right? Yeah, it's easy to fall into that. Let's be honest. I have as well. Or maybe it's people. Maybe you worship people. It could be your spouse. It could be your potential spouse, your child or children. It's very easy for us to actually worship our children. And everything centers around them. To be so consumed and I think in our culture today, it makes it very easy for us to actually idolize, be so consumed with our kids and who they are. And believe me, I love my kids, but we can fall into it very easily where our lives, um, our feelings, our thoughts about life are dictated by our kids, if we're not careful. We're so consumed and devoted to the point where they actually become something we worship. Or a boss, or maybe it's a neighbor. You wish you had their life, keeping up with the Joneses. You wish you had their kind of life, and maybe you idolize them in a way. Or perhaps it's a job, 
that you just love your job and you work countless hours. And I've fallen into that before for myself as well, that I love to lead, I love to preach. And if I'm not careful, like a lot of pastors, that my ministry, my job as a pastor can turn into a mistress. And that's something I have to keep an eye on. Or maybe it's material possessions, cars, clothing, jewelry, homes. Or maybe it's technology. Maybe it's a certain uh, podcast or blog. Maybe it's TV and movies. It could be an author. That you have a certain author or a certain preacher that, that you just like idolize and you're consumed. Like everything they say is true. That they're never wrong. And we, you elevate them up. And they're there to be a means to help you with your spiritual growth. But you're so consumed with that person. Or sports, watching it or playing it. What would happen if, if you're, all of a sudden your TV went out and let's say there, maybe there was like a blackout that we, like we're seeing in California right now in certain areas, and let's say you couldn't watch the Vikings or you couldn't watch the Gophers yesterday. What would happen to you? What would happen to you? Yeah, would that, would that make you mad? So those, those are the kind of things that, that if we're not careful that we can fall into. For me, it's golf. There's times, I'll, I'll be honest with you, golf has turned into an idol. It, it turned into something that I was, cons- I was consumed with. So I have friends that uh, I'm accountable to that kind of check in with me. And Psalm 150, I love about it, is that it just starts out, it says, Pray, Praise God in the sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heaven. Praise Him in his, for His mighty works. Praise His unequal greatness. And what the psalmist is trying to do, he's trying to get uh, the readers, the hearers, actually to cast their eyes on God and not on the things of the world. Paul repeats that in Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. Set your eyes on the things above, not on the things on earth. And that's exactly what the psalmist is trying to do. So the first clue is, when it comes to this mystery of worship, is that worship comes from the depths of you. And that's why you see these exclamation points. Uh, you know, praise Praise him in his mighty heaven. Praise him for his mighty works. Praise his unequaled greatness. Look at the exclamation points. What the psalmist is trying to do is, it's got to come out of you. This is something to celebrate and to put our eyes on God. When's the last time, and maybe this morning was a time that it actually happened for you, where you just, as you're singing, you just felt it coming from the depths of you. But let me say this. I heard this from... Um, uh, Greg Boyd one time, and I don't, I don't agree with Greg in all of his theology, but Greg's a fantastic teacher in some areas, and one of them is on worship. And, and I, I just remember long ago in a seminar I went to, that when it comes to worship, so often we feel like it, it's gotta, we got to feel it, you know? we got to feel it. Almost like uh, our misconception of marriage, that, you know, romance, just got to feel it. Well, at, at some point, it, it takes work. And worship takes work. Sometimes you got to work yourself to get there. It's not a matter of I feel or not. Sometimes you have to kind of take the steps and work and just kind of sing the words, even though you don't want to, even though you don't know the song. But as you work towards it, it's amazing when that happens. It happens for me where all of a sudden, boom, just, I can feel it in the depths of my, of my soul. So the first clue, worship comes from the depths of you. Next is that worship is uh, also especially expressed in singing. And in Psalm 150, verses 4 through 6, praise him with the tambourine and dancing. Praise him with strings and flutes. Praise him with a clash of cymbals. Praise him with loud, clanging cymbals. Let everything that breathes, what? Sing praises to the Lord. 
I want you to circle that word. That's a New Living Translation. Uh, I don't think the NIV has sing in there, but it's sing. And that is the next clue when it comes to this whole mystery of worship, is that worship is especially expressed in singing. And it's amazing when we sing, and, I, and I, I'm generalizing, I know, but I know I think for guys it's hard to sing in a church. But you get us in our, our car and we you put on our, our favorite rock and roll song or something, or maybe it's, it's uh, a certain uh, uh, group or artist, and we know every word of that song and we'll sing it, it doesn't even matter who's around. Um, I remember uh, when my kids were young, and I, I have a horrible voice, by the way. I'm, I, I don't think I ever hit, hit a note rightly in my entire life. But when my kids were young, I, was, I would drive around, I've shared this story before, um, in our little um, cul-de-sac, and I'd do circles with my kids, and my kids were young, it was fun, and I'd open up the sunroof, and I would just crank Coldplay uh, at, the, at the very loudest it would go. And I would, and they'd be singing, and I'd be had my hands up, other hand on the wheel, by the way, um, but sing, singing out loud. And to this day, my, my, my son's a Coldplay fan. And I think a lot of us, we, you know, certain songs we'll sing no matter what. What's the songs for you? What are some of those songs that you love to sing? Anybody? Iris. What's that? Why don't we? Nice. Anybody else? By, by the way, I know we're in church. You can tell. You can, let's be honest. Okay. Um, if it's ACDC, whatever it is, just say it. Yeah, Mysterious Ways by you too. Thanks, Matt. Anybody else? Jesus loves me. Yes. Because I think, you know, when it comes to singing, that when we sing worship songs like Jesus Loves Me, a very simple song, um, that when we sing those songs, worship songs in particular, I want to challenge you on that, is that when you sing worship songs, there's something uh, tangibly different about that. I remember, for example, when I had my very first interview to be a youth pastor. And I was very introverted, I was very shy, and I was scared stiff. And for some reason, I, I was physically sick. I was so nervous before that interview. And, and some of us feel that at times. And I got in my car, and sometimes you just got to take a step forward to kind of move towards whatever you're facing. And one step at a time, got in my car, and I started playing my favorite worship songs. And it was amazing. The weight on my shoulder, the fear, the worry, the doubt, the absolute terror that I felt, honestly, just fell off my shoulders. There's something about worship songs when you sing them out loud, it does something. And I believe it in spiritual warfare, what it does, I, I think it pushes back the enemy. I think it pushes back uh, the kingdom of evil. And when we sing out loud and we worship God, there is some, something about that. And he loves it. It's not like you're just singing and no one's hearing, listening to you. It's God's listening. The angels are listening. And they love it. You're celebrating God. And I, I think if, if there's anybody who has the right or has, ought to uh, worship and celebrate uh, just in general, should be Christians, right? That the fact that we've committed our lives to Jesus Christ and we've been accepted in God's family. Just think of what God has done for you. And if there's anybody that, that has sort of a, a free license 
uh, or a reason to celebrate and to sing out loud, it's Christians. Our lives have been changed. In fact, singing is, is it's kind of like a warm-up. It's a, it's a dress rehearsal for what you're going to be doing in heaven. So t- now is the time to kind of get ready for that. Because we're going to be worshiping in heaven and celebrating God and loving him and singing with the angels. It's going to be amazing. But it's ironic that in our culture, it seems like uh, that in our culture, everything is ex- acceptable to get excited about but God. Now we can get excited about a number of things, but when it comes to God or Jesus Christ, it's like our culture frowns upon that. You go to a sports event, and you scream at the top of your lungs, you jump up and down, you cry, and you're hugging with guys or other people you have no idea who they are, because your team is winning, and you raise your hands in the air, and the people around you smile approvingly because you're a fan. Now, when you come to church, you raise your hands up, you have enthusiasm, and, and you start singing out loud, and, and perhaps you step on the aisle, and you get on your knees. Uh, it's interesting, people would call you a fanatic. It's interesting. And I know it's, we're Scandinavian, Minnesota, all that kind of stuff, but I think I want to challenge you with Psalm 150 to actually sing out, sing out. It's interesting, and you don't have to turn to this, but the story of Second uh, Samuel uh, chapter 6, verse 5, they bring the Ark of the Covenant back to Israel, and it's an, an incredible time for the Israelites to finally have the Ark back. And David is leading, and he's dancing, and his wife uh, uh, scolds him for, for not being proper, because you're supposed to be a king. You're royal. There's decor to that. And he says, you know what? I'm going to worship my Lord. And he worships, as it says, with all his might. And he's dancing and he's singing. I think for a lot of us, I think we're a little bit like, like David's wife, where it's like, you know what, uh, let's hold back a little bit. Let's, let's not get too fanatic, fanatical about worship. But God loves to hear your praises. Verse 6, let everything that breathes sing praises to the Lord. Praise the Lord. Psalm 149, just the, just the psalm before this, it says, Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. Why a new song? Because God wants to do something new and fresh in your life. He wants to do something new and fresh in your life. It's interesting, I think, that as we get in this area of worship, um, of course, music and love seem to go together. And when we worship, we're actually expressing our love to God. And we have plenty of music that we listen to that actually comes from our heart as well. We sing to a certain song. Maybe it's Mysterious Ways by U2. That it's, it's Matt's heart that comes out. But there's, a, there's love. Love and music go together. There are many love songs in this world. If you have, if you have uh, Sirius XM, um, there's stations dedicated to love songs. You can listen to love, love songs all day long. But you know what? Uh, there's more songs written about Jesus Christ than any topic in the history of the world when it comes to music. Do you know that? Let me say that again. There's more songs written about Jesus Christ than any other topic that we have in this world. I didn't know that until this past week. Uh, I found that from Rick Warren. Because Christianity is a singing faith. I love that. Why? Because it's not about a religion. It's about a love relationship that we have with God. And we express our love. Psalm 147, 7 says, Sing out your thanks to him. Sing praises to God. Nothing will, will make you more aware of God's love and presence in your life, I think, than singing and praising him. 
And you may be thinking, though, but I don't, I don't sing. Well, the Bible says to make a joyful noise. It doesn't say sing the song on the right note. It says make a joyful noise. And I know a lot of you do that. Maybe it's at a sporting event. Maybe it's at somebody gets married and you're shouting and, and, and celebrating. That's a joyful noise. Just let it out. You don't have to hit the right note. Right, right note. You just have to make a joyful noise. So what I want to do, it's, you know, I'm talking about worship. It, it'd be strange for us not to take a moment to, to sing in music. So I'm going to invite the band to come up right now, and we're going to sing the first stanza and chorus to Hosanna. And a lot of you know the song by heart, and this is an opportunity just for us to sing and express our love to God, that the God who saved us, the God who has redeemed us, the God who loves you exactly the way you are, for us to respond in kind and to simply sing praises to him, to actually sing these, song, these words. And, and just th- maybe you want to close your eyes. Maybe you, you want to raise your hand, whatever you want to do. But it's just to sing out to God. Can we do that this morning, Maple Grove Covenant? All right, let's stand up. Let's stand up just for the song. So worship, second clue, is especially expressed in singing. But leads us to the, the third and final clue when it comes to this mystery, this, this uh, maybe confusion around worship. Yet worship is not just singing. Take a look at verses 1 and 2. Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heaven. Praise Him for His mighty works. Praise His unequaled greatness. Now the word for sanctuary simply means any location. We take that as church, but it doesn't mean that. Um, when it's written, they didn't have a church to go to, really. So it could be any location. Any location where you express your worship of God. 
And it doesn't have to be singing. It can simply be looking at the beauty of the horizon. It can be looking at simply the human, the human life and, and how great our Creator is. These are all means for us to worship God even beyond singing. It's there for us. And also, when, when in that word shaka, it doesn't mean it's only in music. Um, because we tend, we tend to, to correlate worship equals music. That's not, it's not just that. Music is important, but also is that we can praise God in a variety of ways. We can worship Him in a variety of ways. Day to day, I look for opportunities to point out to myself the hand of God in a sunset or a striking cloud formation or recently seeing um, a small group of deer and just marveling at God, our Creator. And I have always encouraged my kids, stop for a moment each day if you can, or each week, and just take in a moment the beauty of this world that God has given us. That's worship. That's worship. And did you know also, clapping is a form of worship, and yelling out loud and, and making a noise is a form of worship. Psalm 47.1 says this, Come, everybody, clap your hands. Not, okay, clap your hands. Shout to God with joyful noise. Okay, so what we're going to do is that we're going to let loose here, okay? We're going to let loose, okay? And um, I just want to, so maybe for you it's like to go back in time, go back to 1987 and the Twins won the seventh game of the World Series, or go back to 1991 and what you felt. Or pretend the Vikings won uh, the Super Bowl. Okay? Now, I was in the Dells last week, and uh, Sam kind of lied. I, I was not in the water park. I would never go to the water park. I'd scare the kids. Uh, but I was, I was golfing down there. I came back on Sunday, stopped at a barn grill in Toma, Wisconsin, which is, this is Badger Packer territory. And I'm, I'm walking in, and there was some Viking stuff on, and I, I know, like, I'm, I'm really hoping they have the game on because the Packers don't, don't play till 3 o'clock. They're playing the Cowboys. So I'm like, gosh, I hope they have the Vikings game on. If not, I'm really going to ask them. See. So I get in there, there's about 20 people on. They have, everybody has Packers stuff on. There's Packers stuff on the walls and everything. And I walk in there, and they have the Vikings game on. It was awesome. And, you know, the Packer fans are just kind of, do, you know, biding time until the Packers play until 3 o'clock. So they're watching the game. And I watched the entire game, and it was awesome. I mean, I, I, I can't help it. I can't. It's like a reflex. And, and you know, I had a my friend there, too. And he was trying to tell me, you've got you, you to gotta stop doing that. Because every time Devin Cook, number 33, would run and, and go for a big yardage, I was like, Yes! Or when, when Kirk Cousins hit Adam Thielen for a touchdown, I automatically jumped out of my chair, hands up. I'm like, yeah! You guys are like staring at me right now. Okay? That's what I do. Or the gopher game yesterday. I wasn't there, but I was, I was watching it and, and seeing the plays. I, I, I just can't help. It just comes out. And I want us this morning to clap, to shout. Maybe you want to run around the, uh, in, in the sanctuary. You have my permission. Maybe you want to dance, whatever you want to do. We are going to let out a joyful noise, okay? So maybe get, get in your frame of mind right now, okay? Maybe you have to think about the Vikings, the twins, whatever you got to do to, to kind of get there. But I want to remind you 
I want to remind you that God loved you so much that he came to this world in Jesus Christ, gave his life for you, died, and came back to life three days later. And in doing so, he conquered sin, death, and the powers of evil. That's something to celebrate. Okay? The other stuff in, the, in this world is pretty small compared to something like that. This is big stuff. Okay? And the fact that God has, has prepared a place for you in heaven for eternity. And you're going to be singing and clapping and dancing. So right now, like I said before, this is, this is like a practice. This is, this is a dress rehearsal for what you're going to be doing in heaven. And let you remind me, remind you, excuse me, I'm getting really excited. Let me, let me remind you of, of a few things. You can hold that last slide, um, Jared. Is that because of what God has done, you are given a new life of perfect purpose and significance. And that God loves you unconditionally. There's nothing, as I mentioned before, that, that you could do to make God love you less. But God loves you so much, he's not going to leave you there. God has wiped away all your shame and guilt and regret, your sins and your mistakes, and that you're freed, you're redeemed to live this life. And that God has given you his word to have successful living as a guidebook for life. And that also that God has set you free from worry. That's what God has done. That's something worthy to, 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 worthy to celebrate, right? Okay. So in a, in a minute, or not a minute, in a, in a few moments here, I'm going to say one, two, three. I want you to jump up. I want you to let loose. Okay? Do the best you can. And I know some of you are very introverted, but let it fly just this one time. Like, to freak out your spouse or freak, freak out your friends. Okay? And I want you to jump around. I want you to high five. I want you to hug people. And what I want you to do is clap. Okay? Like a big clap and just yell out, okay? You guys ready? I gotta get it in proper, proper uh, worship uh, mode here, okay? Now, some of you, if you don't worship loud enough, we have the worship police and they're gonna handcuff you and take you away. Okay, upper deck, we want you too, okay? All right, you ready? One, two, three. So we're going to take this time to receive our morning's offering. And, uh, and I want to I encourage you guys to continue to worship however you feel is appropriate in any way. Yeah, exactly. Like, we serve an almighty God. Why should we not give everything that we have to him? Amen? All right, let's sing together. Let's sing together. 